If you could do it once, you could do it 10 times. And if you could do it 10 times, you could do it a thousand times. And um, that's why how I kind of scaled up. I was only like considering a hundred dollars a house, 400 houses, 40,000 a month. <laughs> So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, what's happening, Real Estate Rockstar Nation? It is Matt O'Neill, today's host. And today we have got an incredible guest that has the potential to change your life. Alan Schnur is with us. Alan was working a corporate job, buying a house a month, and grew it to 400 houses and started to buy apartment complexes, grew to 2,000 apartment units, and decided to sell it all and start investing in shopping centers. But there is one day that changed his life. Alan was one day away from being in the World Trade Center on 9-11, and that moment caused him to change everything. Let's welcome Alan to the show. Alan, thanks for being here. Matt, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this and, uh, speaking, and, and speaking with all your listeners. Yeah, man, me too. Alan, take us back. What, what happened with uh, the flowers? So listen, we all have those moments in life that uh, – Things are going to change. It hurts so much, and, and you, know, you just can't take it anymore. And uh, there was this time in my life where I was working on the 101st floor of the World Trade Center in the North Tower for a company called Canna Fitzgerald as a broker. And um, we were all scheduled on September 10th to leave. 40 of us were scheduled to leave on a business trip to uh, launch a new product to only find out that the software wasn't ready on time. So what can I say? 39 out of 40 people canceled their trips. And uh, I was the only one in the group that decided I was going to go out to the West Coast, uh, spend some time with uh, my traders who were my clients, and uh, make the best of a tough situation. And then, of course, the following day changed everyone's life. Fortunately, we lost 700 out of 1,000 people in the company, and I lost uh, 40 out of 44 teammates. And uh, you know, I found myself in this room, in this hotel room in Portland, by myself for a week. And uh, that was a week, uh, a very difficult week for me. Some survivor guilt, some, you know, I really appreciated all the first responders. Uh, you know, why wasn't I there? Or what can I do to make the situation better? And I also took time to kind of take a good look in the mirror and see if I was happy with myself, what directions I was taking. And I decided then and there, I was sick of a few things that I was going to make changes immediately in my life. And uh, so I turned the situation around. And uh, when I was able to, like three, four, five weeks later, Canada kind of parted ways with me, uh, started and launched some of my own businesses, which we're about to start talking about. But uh, yeah, it was just one of those awful situations where I said, you know what, I'm sick and tired of, of, of not having everything I want in life, and I'm going to go out and grab it. And uh, grab life big, right? Which is one of the mottos here. Grab life big, yes. And Alan, thank you for sharing that story. I, I, I couldn't imagine being in your shoes. I think it would be impossible for anybody who wasn't in your shoes to really know what, what that was like. 
And you know what, what I love that happened for you is you said, I'm here and I'm going to go make a difference. Right. And I'm, I'm going to go big. And I, I, I would imagine I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth here, but I would imagine that something said life is short and life is precious. Why the heck am I doing anything other than what I want to do? Great. You're, 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 you're so right. I, I have a motto, go big, simplify, refine. And, uh, that's what I was working on. And, uh, kind of just got super tunnel focus going and uh, decided to play a bigger game in life because of that event. Wow. Well, let's, uh, let's look at what happened. So right. as, far, as far as your evolution of real estate investing, so take, <laughs> so, take me, take so me I, through, how did you start? Let's just all let's right, let's, start with the first house. The first house. Gee. So I, I ended up in Houston, a New Yorker. I ended up in Houston and, uh, I picked up a Robert Kiyosaki book, like a lot of us did. And yep. uh, Robert said, go to an investment club. And uh, that's exactly what I did. I'll never forget. I was listening to some gentleman on stage talking about buying houses, 50 cents on the dollar. I was totally mesmerized and uh, had to go to the bathroom. It's type of, type of where, you know, you, you have to go, but you don't want to miss anything. So you hold it. <laughs> yes. Right. So uh, but finally, I, I, I can't anymore. So I'm running out to the bathroom. And while I'm running, someone's selling like a $10,000 program. And how, uh, you know, they're going to teach me and mentor me and do all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't have a lot of money. I was just out of a job living in a new state. And uh, I took out my credit card. <laughs> But you know what? It, it, it worked. It worked. This guy taught me how to buy houses. And uh, I started my own firm in the commodity business, which is like another part of the story. But the houses, that's it. Like every Saturday morning, I showed up for my lessons. We started knocking on doors, you know, kind of grassroots, organic, you know, just kind of you know, letter campaigns and all that stuff. And uh, before I knew it, I had a pipeline of uh, flippers wanting to sell me houses. And I also had my own pipeline working. I got in with some bankers, hard money lenders, whatever it took. Get a bonus, buy a house, you name it. I was all over. Uh, I had to have a house a month. I, actually, I have a joke. I was a houseaholic. I was an apartment addict. And uh, if I didn't have like a new house every 30 days, I was just in the worst freaking mood. I had to have a house because it, it symbolized freedom. It symbolized cash flow. And it just it, it symbolized that everything I was doing in my life was finally working because I believed in it. Yeah, and you got obsessed. Yes. And, and, and I, I think we, I, we just saw Ed Milet talk. Ed, Ed flew into GoBundance. Oh, wow. And I uh, had a chance to look him in the eye and say thank you because he's been a big inspiration to me. Awesome. Yeah, he's Ed, awesome. Ed said at, at his talk, your obsessions become your possessions. Mm, I like that for sure. And you got obsessed. You were a houseaholic. You had to have a new house. You were obsessed on passive income. And because you were obsessed, it, it had to become your possession. I'll tell you what. There wasn't really a lot of money in the cash flow of the houses in the beginning. I was buying like thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 houses. I had to go in there and fix them all and get tenants and all that stuff. I was lucky to make 50 to $100 a month. But even just that $50 was just recognizing the fact that this is possible. In, in my book that we'll talk about later, I had this, if you could do it once, you could do it 10 times. And if you could do it 10 times, you could do it a thousand times. And um, that's why how I kind of scaled up. I was only like considering the $100 a house, 400 houses, 40,000 a month. 
Yeah. No, and that, and that's fantastic. You had a vision, and the vision was, I just want half a million a year passive. Right. And that's an amazing vision, especially when you've been working in the corporate America. For and, sure. And grinding and not, you know, and, and saying, man, I got to give my blood, sweat, and tears to make that kind of money. What if I could get my assets to work for me? And, and then, of course, once you started to, to see oh, I could scale and scale and scale, you said I can get a lot bigger on my vision. And, you know, it's, it's true. Uh, it's, it's really true that, you know, I learned one formula and all I did was like rinse and repeat. And I, I did it over 400 times. I did it a lot of times because I flipped too, but I was also cash flowing. Then I, you know, I, I, I never forget. I call this the Tokyo close. I was in Japan one summer, got a phone call from a bank. They, they said, Alan, we got 20 houses. We just took back. Can you take them from us? We'll give you 80% financing, 20% down. I'm like, sure. Great. I'm in Japan and they needed something notarized. So uh, Tokyo closed. I go over to the American embassy and uh, I get, uh, I get it stamped uh, and notarized and just send back all the closing docs in a DHL envelope. And now I'm the proud owner of 20 houses. So what did I really do? Um, I totally captured a million dollars in equity. Um, but more importantly, I captured $5,000 a month in cash flow. So now I'm walking back from DHL in the middle of Tokyo and I'm saying to myself, gee, this is awesome. How can I ever do that again? What are the chances someone's going to call me up? So you know, I'm kind of like kicking the can down the road saying to myself, what's next? What's next? What's next? And I look up and I'm standing in front of an apartment building in Japan. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe that's a sign from the universe. Or it was. It was a sign. <laughs> So and you, uh, listen, you listened, man. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you, I'll tell you the sign was that I, I totally, that's me. I, I think there's signs. I think uh, that we're being guided many times. Mm. So, so you look I, up this apartment building. I, and I ran with it. I got online. I did some research. I like this area of Pasadena, Texas, where I owned the majority of my houses. I found something on loopnet.com, got in touch with the broker. He's like, man, you're, he's like, Alan, this deal just fell out of contract. The owner's so desperate, he's going to owner finance it. I'm like, great. So I fly home like a week or two later. Um, I close that thing. Very, very little money down. The credit's back. Uh, I know a lot of your listeners know. I mean, this, the, the tax is back. The deposit's back. It was such a small amount of money to control like a $2 million asset in the middle of my housing portfolio. We used the leasing office, not just for the apartments, we also use it for all the houses too, so people could come and go. And it just gave us a much more professional front. So once I kind of mastered the apartment formula, um, I spent a lot of time in the leasing office, then I went all out. Every 90 days, I was buying an apartment complex. Of course, as any real estate entrepreneur uh, knows, I started running out of money. So then I, I uh, figured out the power of syndication, which is so powerful. I hope uh, our listeners here today, they really want to make a difference in their lives. Um, if they want to scale up and make a lot of money, they need to become syndicators, responsible syndicators. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's it. I syndicated a good dozen to a dozen and a half apartment complexes over a five-year period. And then one day I woke up and I realized I had around 2,000 units and um, a few hundred houses. And I just decided to sell everything. So I, you know, I kind of believe in uh, coming from Wall Street, uh, you know, Buy low, sell high, don't try to pick the top, don't try to pick the bottom, average in, average out. And that's all I was doing. You know, I was just selling a few houses every month. I was selling an apartment building every every quarter. And yeah, I guess if I look back right now, Matt, 
uh, they'd be worth a lot more, but it allowed me to scale up and evolve into the next idea, which we're about to start talking about. But just so, just to let everyone know, so in the apartments, um, we bought around $50 million of apartments uh, with the power of syndication and uh, sold everything for around $80 million. Right. So that worked out well. I took my share from, the, from being the general partner in that deal. And uh, I started reading about retail shopping center strips. I mean, nobody wants this stuff. It's like at the bottom of the asset class. And I'm just scratching my head. I'm like, well, I know what it's like to be in the housing business and chase rent money. So would I rather chase rent money from a bunch of guys that probably don't make, you know, I don't know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year cutting grass in a class C apartment building, or pick up the phone and talk to Starbucks to start negotiating a new lease? So I said, you know what, I think I'm gonna give this a shot. Let me yeah, jump so you don't you don't have yeah. to chase you don't have to chase Starbucks. No, Starbucks sends me checks. You know, how yeah. cool is that? Speaking of Starbucks, <laughs> I'm net positive on them, not <laughs> So, yeah, so, and that's what kind of really got me involved in the retail shopping center strips. Um, let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's just, uh, you know, I want to ask a couple questions. Go ahead, go ahead. I know, yeah. Sorry, the Starbucks is kicking in. You know, you know I'll tell you what, it, it's, it's impressive. One of the things that's most impressive about you is you take action. And, and you don't just take a little action, you take massive action. So you got to, in my opinion, based on the story that we're talking about here, you've got a, a lot of bravery. And mm. you act in the face of, of risk with courage. Where do you think that came from? What, how, you know, because you came back from Tokyo and just jumped on LoopNet, talked to a broker and bought his apartment deal when he said it was a good deal. You walked down the hallway having to go to the bathroom, bought a $10,000 coaching program <laughs> I mean, when you didn't really have the money to do it. So right. you know, how, why do you think you, you have that? And how could other people develop that kind of courage to take risk? Great question. And, you know, I, probably because I'm afraid. You know, whenever I feel myself being afraid of something or a little fearful, I know that I have absolutely no choice but to, make, to take the next step forward. I, you know, I have to lean into it, or else. When, uh, when you are uh, afraid, yeah. you have to take the. You have to take. You it. have to. That's 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 life inviting me into the next level, the next phase, the next adventure, the next chapter. That's, you know, so, that's, just, that's so powerful. You know, that's the universe just knocking on my door. So, so what you're saying is that feeling of fear is actually the universe telling you that it's time for you to act. I like that. Can I write that down? Yeah, go ahead. You just said it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, it, uh, that's I, don't, I don't consider myself the bravest person. I just, uh, and, you know, we all lack certain things in life, and you're just going to have to make some choices. Do you spend all your time trying to figure out what you're not good at or do you run with what you possibly could be good with? And when you mix that up with fear and emotions, just got to go for it. I love it. You know, we talked just before we got on the, on the, the podcast today about how you're a contrarian. Mm. And most of the people in the world right now are saying, I don't think we should be buying retail. In fact, run from retail. All the retailers are going out of business because online's putting them out of business. Talk with me about, about your feeling about being a contrarian. Sure. So I did spend 15 years in the commodity market. So I've literally watched billions of dollars fly through the air in certain commodity products. And uh, I'm a true believer in buying low and selling high. And I'm also uh, 
you know, that, that leads me to be a contrarian. And, you know, how do you get to buy low? Get to buy low when, you know, no one else is really buying and no one else wants it. So when we take a look at the asset classes out there, you know, you have your multifamily asset class, you have your, um, your warehouse asset class, and uh, you have retail. And right now, out of those three, retail is on the bottom. Nobody wants it. And, you know, everyone's chasing yields right now in real estate. I mean, these Class C apartment complexes could easily be trading for four cap, five cap, six cap, and percentage returns, right? So uh, same thing with warehousing. I mean, warehousing is so hot right now because all the jobs coming back to America and all the manufacturing happening here in America. So, you know, yeah, now you have retail and everyone thinks it's down in the dumps and nobody wants it. And, but I got to tell you something, Matt. I'm buying eight, nine, ten cap deals, just like I was buying ten cap deals in the apartment business when nobody wanted it, just when I was buying houses for thirty or forty thousand dollars a piece when nobody wanted it. I'm closing a deal uh, next month that in the middle of syndication. Let me give you an example. It's in Gilbert, Arizona. Uh, it's sixteen and a half million dollars, and I'm borrowing the money at three and a half percent, five years interest only. Um, and it's a nine cap. It's a nine cap. So that's a five and a half point spread. Think about it. That's more of a spread than a cap rate. You know, what are you going to make in an apartment building? You're going to borrow money at three and a half percent and buy a four and a half percent cap rate. You've got one point spread. Let me go back to the retail shopping center in Gilbert, Arizona. We're borrowing $10 million at a five and a half point spread. That's $550,000 a year just on the spread of the money and the return on the deal. I don't mess anything up, which I don't, because this will be my sixth uh, retail deal. I have around a million square feet. I get to add value. So I'm going to bring that nine cap really up to 11 or 12 cap by the time I'm done with it. And then the tenancy. I mean, I get the, I get the, I get the opportunity. Here's a strategy for people that want to get involved in retail. Where do you make money? Um, rent bumps. Rent bumps are built into the leases like 1% to 3% annually. You don't yeah. even have to go knock on their door. It just kicks in. It's already programmed in. Um, then there's an out parcel strategy. Um, I just did a Krispy Kreme deal last year on College Station in my TJ Maxx shopping center. Um, I, took, I took 30 parking spaces that nobody wanted. I did a land lease for 20 years with Krispy Kreme Donuts. They put up a $2.5 million structure, and they send me $8,000 a month. And that's it. I don't have to do anything. So $8,000 a month times 12 um, is $96,000 a year. Divide that by an eight cap. It's actually probably a six cap, but divide that by an eight cap. I just added $1.2 million of value to the shopping center. So out parcels and then vacancies. I like to buy stuff that's 20, 30% vacant, trades on a true net operating income number. And uh, let me go fill up the vacancies. Um, 50 to 75% let me say this differently. In all of my shopping centers, 50 to 75% are national names. I got around 150 national tenants that trade on the exchanges from, from Krispy Kreme to Discount Tires, TJ Maxx, Ross. I got doctors. I got chiropractors. I got optometrists. I got ER clinics. I got Subways, Burger Kings, um, restaurants. 
Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. And as you know, when you've been hearing these episodes, so many of our guests give us lots of free gifts and share the tools they've been using to become successful. We've got free real estate tools, scripts, eBooks, marketing materials, and more. We keep track of everything in our vault and it's updated with new items each and every week. If you want access to that stuff, it's totally free for being a listener. All you have to do is go to agentsuccesstoolbox.com agentsuccesstoolbox.com and get your free gifts now. So it's been an evolution. We were talking about this earlier from collecting, I don't know, $800 a month in rent on a house to $8,000 a month in rent from Starbucks. I'd rather have $8,000 from Krispy Kreme or Starbucks than $800 from the guy that, uh, that's walking into your leasing office because he doesn't even have a bank account because his wages are being garnished. And, and he's bringing you a money order because he's right, exactly. So, yeah. you know, but I, think, I think that what, what, it need, what needs to be emphasized is, is that you learn so much along the way mm. that it's hard to just go from, I've never bought any investment properties to I'm buying a $16 million syndication deal where I'm going to figure out how to how to put all these um, national people into my apartment, you know, into my shopping complex. So there, you learned to syndicate through apartments. I did. So this all comes from the apartments. If you think about it, and quite sixteen million sounds like a lot of money, but what does an apartment complex cost these days? Right, fifteen to twenty million. Yeah. Right. So then you know, talk about credibility. Now let me just. Be clear. I like all I like all real estate, and I invest in all real estate. But I'm buying shopping centers that are 80, 90 percent full with national tenants, with national names, with leases that stand up in the court. And when it comes to the apartment buildings, it's the same thing. It's just you got to get people over their fear, right? They, you know, I hope something bad doesn't happen to them where they are forced to get over their fears, like what happened to me during my 9/11 days. But if they're going to buy, I think it's fearful to buy an apartment complex for $20 million in a five-cap world. Yeah. No, I, I – I'd rather buy – I'd rather buy – you know, I have, I have a shopping center here in Houston. It's 150,000 square feet. It, uh, one of the anchors is Discount Tire. I sit on Highway 59 where 300,000 cars pass a day. I mean, nice. do we really have to worry about Discount Tire, you know, being replaced by Amazon in front, you know? So I like yeah. these neighborhood centers. I like the, uh, the centers that you know, just don't go away. You pick up 15, 20 acres of land. It's almost like a covered land play as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to buy tires on Amazon. <laughs> not when you need them. And you know what? People still want to get out. They want to touch. They want to taste. They want to feel. They want to be entertained. They want to go to a restaurant. They want to see a movie. They want to. They actually want to walk into a store and put something in a bag and carry it to their car. You know, you 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 mentioned something earlier that I think would be worth noting. Everybody's afraid of Amazon, but talk with me about how Amazon and the online retail business relates to the catalog sales business. Um, <laughs> yeah, so interesting. I was reading that fact the other day. They were the the article was referring to Sears Rowan, Sears catalog service. And if you if everyone can remember back in the day catalog services and all those catalogs you receive in the mail, it's coincidentally, they, they took 10% of all retail business and it was going through uh, the U.S. mail system, 10%. And to this day, right now, 
Amazon, or I should say all online sales is, are approximately 10% of all retail sales. So the numbers are identical. And even uh, one more little fact that the article mentioned, retail sales were up for stores uh, this Christmas season. So more people went into the stores than last year. So it's almost like the gap got a little smaller. I know things are, are going to be bought and sold online, but I'm telling you, this retail, it, it's not going away. The biggest buyer of brick and mortar right now is Amazon and internet retailers because they're trying, they're trying to figure out how to grow their businesses. Yeah, I love, I love that you shared that because yeah. I, 10% to me was really surprising. Right. I, I would have, I would have suspected it was much higher. I would have suspected we were probably, you know, even close to fifty percent. No that. way! Oh my gosh! Because, not at all. If you because think about that, it, that's that's the way that I, I think that I shop. I think that I shop everything online. Let me I, let me put this in perspective. Most people don't even have a checking account in the United States, right? If you think about the demographics, you know, or so people want to buy you know, a schmata for like five, 10, 15 bucks, a pair of pants or a shirt or a t-shirt. You're not getting that. You're not getting that online or most people aren't. They're walking into a store, they're picking up their underwear and their socks. So, yeah, yeah I think, I think it's a, I think it's a good point, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and it's, it's possible that um, just because of like where, where we're at in, in our life and where my family's at with our life, time is much more valuable than money. And so the people, sure. I, the people I hang around with and in my peer group, we may be more likely to just not walk into a store and it's okay if we buy the wrong size, we'll just buy another one and have it shipped to our house. And that's probably not a good skew of what the, the overall population is like. No, and, um, and actually, I don't know how I just came up with socks, but have you ever had socks shipped to your house? Maybe yes. you have. You're, yes. I haven't. I'm 50 <laughs> or 40, so there's a difference there. I have more buying power. <laughs> yeah okay I'm, I'm just using i'm using my bias my personal bias oh i like it okay i like it but, it's, but I, but it's it's awesome to hear that only 10 percent of retail is online it is killer and you can buy retail shopping centers at a massive discount right now you said that in 10 years everyone will be looking back at these eight caps they could have had in retail and kicking themselves they didn't get in uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Um, you can borrow money for right now so cheap. I mean, money, you can borrow cheaper money now than Fannie and Freddie. And that wasn't the case over the last few years. So so I'm calling this opportunity right now. You can get CNBS money at like three and a quarter to 375 interest rate, interest only for five or 10 years. Hey, listen to this one. Over the summer, um, I bought a 125,000 square foot shopping center anchored by Planet Fitness and a few restaurants. I borrowed the money at 3.85% interest only for 10 years. I mean, oh that's huge. It's huge. Years, it's like, 10 years it's like a $60,000 a month free flow cash flow, $720,000 a year free flow cash flow. So, yeah, wow. just uh, congratulations on that. And, and it, it's, it sounds like free money to me. What's inflation? Isn't inflation 2%? But I, I, I love when people ask me that because then we talk about five or 10-year leases and they're like, well, Alan, what are you going to do about the inflationary pressure here? Each lease, like we just said, has like 1% to 3% uh, annual you know, rent bumps kicked in. So, you know, five years goes by, you're at 3%, you're, 
your lease, all your leases, all your revenue just went up 15%, you know, maybe with a little cap rate compression, there's, you could really fit, double your money just like yeah. that. And if, you know, if you don't do anything but raise rents. You know, I want to, I want to talk about your book, Cashflow Thank Mindset. You. So, so you, you wrote the book, Cashflow Mindset. Yes. Okay. And, it's on Amazon and it's on Audible. Yeah. It, Alan, Alan Schnur, Cashflow Mindset fantastic book and i want you just to dive into the the biggest philosophies that you teach in that book so a lot of us are about scale i know uh, i know a lot of our listeners are brokers right yes and um you know i've always used brokers i, I was a commodity brokers and owned a firm for 15 years um i had one broker buy me 200 houses i had another broker buy me six apartment complexes and I have another broker who's probably bought me over a dozen shopping centers. So I'm a true believer in the client broker relationship. And it's all about scale. You know, it's, it's all about scale. And one thing on my book that I talk about a lot is if you could do something once, you could do it 10 times. And if you could do it 10 times, you could do it 100 times. And what's so wonderful about real estate that it's almost like a religious experience is because you get to measure everything in dollars and cents. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the numbers. It's right there. I grew up being a musician. You know, we used to always say you can't cheat the music. You can't cheat the numbers either if you're looking at a balance sheet or a spreadsheet or a profit and loss statement. And um, so I'm a big believer in scale. Uh, and it's up to you, the individual, how far are you willing to take things? How far will you go being uncomfortable? And what do you have to do to keep your life balanced? So it's, it's a very cool puzzle that I enjoy putting together all the time. Yeah, I love, I love that you said that. If you could do it once, you can do it 10 times. Right. And, and so that's the first step. The first step is do it once. Yeah, do and it that's, once. That's the, that's the step, I think, that the majority of, the, of people who want to invest, who right. want cash flow, that's where they get hung, hung up on is, is even starting once. And then once they do it once, I'm hoping that this particular podcast episode inspires somebody or multiple somebodies to get out there and just take action. When they feel the fear, know that God and the universe is saying <laughs> what you should do. I like and it. They, they buy one. And then when they buy the one, say, shoot, I could do that 10 more times. And then when they do it 10 more times, say, man, I could do that 100 times. What an awesome philosophy. And I, I got to tell you, just to keep everything in perspective, the first house I ever bought was $23,000. I fixed it for 7000 a minute for thirty. It appraised at 75, I pulled out the 30, and then I never looked back, ever, ever, ever. And you had the 30 to do the next one. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah, and then you get to the point where uh, you do that one at a time for each house, and then maybe you get to the point where you could do it 10 at a time. Yeah, when you got that call in Tokyo and, and got the, the 20 but, homes in one. You know? You know, in, in going figure, uh, the name of the bank was Prosperity. <laughs> it was Prosperity. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So, so let, let's, let's dive into another one of the principles you teach in the book. What, what's something else that would be really valuable to share? You, you really got to systematize. I mean, look, I'm looking at my iPhone. We're always looking for like the next greatest app that's going to help better organize our lives and perhaps simplify our lives or cut out the clutter. You need to create your business systems. I don't want to sound cliche because we all talk about it it has to happen you got to decide for me uh, i spend two to three hours by myself every morning i do my meditation i do my prayers i i work out i exercise every day 
that's part of my system. Um, next, I'll, I'll hit the text. I love texting, especially when people are sleeping. And that's part of my system. I'm sending out the marching orders. When I'm done with you here today, I'm going to go visit my CPA. I do that once a week. Can we go over the numbers? That's part of my system. And I have my, my brokers that I'm always checking in with. That's part of my system. So you got to decide what works for you and you got to systematize and you really have to do it. If you really want to organize your life and make it bigger than yourself, because it's not all about me anymore. Uh, it's about me seeing other people grow their lives uh, through inspiration, but also growing their lives with, with money. I mean, money matters. It does. It, it does. And you can do a lot more good in the world when you have a lot of money than if you don't have a lot of money. So for sure, this is something that, that you're teaching about systemizing every single day. I'm yeah. with you. I, my alarm goes off at 415 in the morning. I like it. And uh, typically I wake up before it just because I don't know why I don't want to, I guess I don't subconsciously don't want my wife to wake up for my right. Off. Right. And I spend that quiet time every day trying to listen to what's, what's next, what's for today, what's important today, what's mm. my priority, uh, exercise in the morning as well. I, I like what you talked about with systemizing the aspects of your business. Your finance is so important that you look at it every single week with your CPA. Man, every single week. It's, it's so important. Um, you know, we, we talked about the universe, and I don't want to get woo-woo here. But uh, I'm a believer in if you ask for something, you're probably going to receive it, but you have to be able to handle the responsibility and help other people out as well. So if I'm going to make a shitload of money, that money needs to go back out and circulate and make other people's lives better as well. So it's, it's self-fulfilling. Yeah, let's talk about how you're improving others' lives. How, how, can, how can people um, learn more from you and, and, and be part of what you're doing? Okay. Well, listen, I mean, uh, right now in the middle of a capital raise, I'm a syndicator, I'm, I'm raising money. And I believe I'm helping people retire. I believe that I'm helping build people's cash flow. And I also believe that I'm teaching them something while they watch me go through the process because uh, I'm pretty modest down to earth. Uh, I don't consider myself a superhuman being. I'm just, uh, I'm just using everything I possibly can uh, within my means. So um, I want to help and I want to be helped. So, you, so you've got this syndication you're raising money for, and I know that um, most likely they have to, we have to have incredit, accredited investors. Right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, let me just say this. If anyone's interested in learning more about retail, you like the stories I'm telling, I always give out my phone number. If you don't mind, 713-503-5908. That's 713-503-5908. And the name of my firm is Great Partners, and we're at greatpartners.com. That's G-R-8partners.com. Um, you can see all the projects that we've invested in. Uh, you can see what we're working on. Um, join a syndication. That's how I learned how to buy apartment buildings, too. I joined someone else's syndication, and uh, oh, a few months later, I went out and bought my own, as we just talked about. Yep. But uh, look, you got to take action. You got to jump in. You got to let go of the side of the pool. You got to swim away from the edge. And um, look, if, if, if the listeners, your listeners are listening to this, uh, clearly they want a better life. Clearly we have real estate in common or, or methods of cash flow. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, I believe in matching up a physical goal 
and a financial goal. I mean, it's like a great marriage for me. And um, like right now, I'm, I'm hiking the seven summits of the world. All right. And uh, I've done Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, me and my real estate group. We did uh, Mount Elbrus in Russia last summer. Um, we've gone to base camp on Mount Everest. And uh, we're getting ready to go to Chile uh, in like uh, six or seven months to a mountain called Aconagua, which is 22,000 square feet, which is Cog, which is um, one of the largest mountains I've ever climbed. But uh, at the same time, we're talking real estate, we're buying shopping centers. Like I have this idea of conquering this mountain. Like I have this idea of conquering X amount of square footage in retail shopping centers. Call me crazy, but um, I don't know. When I'm exercising every morning, I'm thinking about the shopping centers and I'm thinking about climbing the mountain. That is so inspiring. The yeah. seven highest summits. <laughs> that uh, is crazy. So uh, did you say 22,000 feet? Yeah, that's, that's going to be the, the highest. That's the elevation. Kilimanjaro is, I know a lot of guys from Govanas have done it too, is 19,500 yeah. Base camp was around 19,000 at Mount Elbrus, which we did last summer. It's the largest mountain in all of Europe. That was 18,500. So now we're going for 22,000 feet. Oh, no, no, no oxygen masks. Yeah, that's, that's called being a beast. That's beast mode, <laughs> Dude. You're well, so if you can climb the mountain, you can climb a lot of other things in life, you know. And more importantly, we can inspire people to – perhaps buy more real estate or buy their first deal, change asset classes, experiment. I and mean, we've only talked about a few things here. Um, I'm in uh, warehousing. I got 100,000 square feet of warehousing. I got a half a million square feet of storage facilities, lending. I mean, I am a believer. I know we're starting to get all over the board here, but I'm a true believer in, uh, and I got this from the commodity business. Now, let me just paint this picture for everybody. You go onto a floor where maybe there's gold trading in one pit, silver, natural gas, oil. And any given day, it's complete pandemonium in one of those pits. Maybe there's a, you know, some kind of a, a worldly event that might drive up the price of oil. So, so everyone's just like staring at the oil pit, wishing they were part of the oil pit so they can get in on the action while everything else is completely dead because it sucks the liquidity away from all the other pits. So I've always carried that idea forward in everything I do. So let's just take like single family housing, for, for example. Right now I'm building one spec house for $5 million. I'm making one bet, one house. It's, it's a slow moving market. It takes like two or three years. So I'm not going to just sit around every day and just like stare at this house going up. So I got to go do something else. And I ask myself, where's the activity? Well, right now the activity for me is in the shopping centers. But you know what? I'm not like in love, love with shopping centers. If the returns and the activities are going to be back in multifamily, then I'll go to multifamily. My point is I'm not going to just sit around waiting for things to happen. I'm going to ask myself, what's my best bet? Where can I go and make the, the most money? And what's the most liquid at the moment? Yeah, and, you, and you're able to ask yourself those questions when you take the time every day like you do and create some space in your life to ask yourself those questions. Absolutely right. You're right. You got to make the space. You know, you're, bring, you're bringing me down. You're right. It's like you're making it real. You got to make space in your life to figure out what's best for you, what's next, and what's worthwhile doing, and what's more importantly worthwhile giving up. Alan, this has been an honor. 
you've inspired the heck out of me. <laughs> I, I think I got I think I got to climb a mountain. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen. The name of our little group is 10X. I mean, I've always told like Mike McCarthy and David about it. Yeah. Uh, so they actually, they helped me, you know, try to recruit a few GoBundance guys. There's like 10 of us that go. It's 10X Adventures, not the most original name, but we're not trying to be original here. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying yeah. to match up our physical goals with our financial goals, you know, create camaraderie, everything your group's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think anyone who is lucky enough to join you guys on a mountain <laughs> climbing trip will come away with a bigger and better life just being in your proximity. Awesome. Well, I, I've had a blast today. And again, um, if I could do anything to help anybody, uh, I'm not kidding. 713-503-5908. Send me a text. I got a lot of different things going on. I love the camaraderie, the banter, and you know, it's all good. Awesome, my brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger. Yes, the one finger that points at people and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe and listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that, too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.